Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to Goalie Science, the podcast where we try to bridge the gap between theory and practice of hockey goaltending. This week we're presented by my Twitter account at bcernic at twitter.com. You can get all the latest and greatest threads that I post once every week. Jamie, how are you doing today? Seems like you're team Musk and not team Zuckerberg for the big the big fight because you're not on threads. And I don't know what threads is. I just know there is a thing called threads. I'd like to abstain from attaching my commitment to any platform, uh, but I am available for sponsorship. As is the podcast. As is yeah, yeah. I Ben myself and as as the podcast host and representatives, we are more than likely we're more than open to selling our souls for the highest bidder or the lowest bidder. Just a bidder, a bidder, a bidder. Yeah. <laughs> so if you're listening and you want to donate money, you can be the presenting sponsor. It can be G- Joe Schmo from Scarborough can be the presenting sponsor of our podcast, and it, probably for five bucks, so it buys both a cup of coffee. That's honestly a great deal. So if you're looking out there for a sponsor opportunity, we're available for you. All right, Jamie, this week I brought this one to you again. Um, I want to talk about... Well, yeah, because I carried the show last week with my in-person solo interview. Just want to say, uh, I think, it, I can't remember if I did the intro right. It was hard. It, it, a lot of credit. Good for you. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah, we're coming off the heels. Um, I can't even pronounce Blake's last name. I think I've messed it up every time I've tried it. He- Piedla. Yeah, Piedla. Piedla, not Patilla. Not, yeah. I've heard like Pytilia stuff. Like Pytilia, Pytilia, yeah. Pytilia before. I've heard some weird ones. Piedla. Piedla. We're coming off the interview. Uh, if those of you listen to an audio format, you can also check out uh, the video format. Or if you didn't listen to it at all, uh, I encourage you to check out the, the YouTube format. Uh, Jamie did a really great job of that. But this week, enough talking about how great Jamie is at video editing. We're going to talk a little bit about something that comes up an awful lot, which is actually what I kind of, I'm getting kind of tired of it, but we're going to talk about it anyway, which is goalie injuries and goalie injuries in the NHL. And so, this is, it's cool that we're swinging back to this. And I feel like 
at least twice a year, we're probably going to touch on this topic. Hopefully there's new developments. And I think it's always good to reiterate, but this is, this is why we started the pod. It was originally a 10 minute, just Ben and I talking about injuries as him being a, you know, doctor chiropractor and myself being a future physical therapist. Like this is what we are into. Ben is transitioning more into the, the cool world of data and analytics. And I'm, I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, I'm talking that over this weird space, but um, yeah, so this is really cool. And, and injuries is something that people, are they enamored by it? They're fearful of it. Everyone's, we'll get into it. I'm going to throw in my own personal thoughts, but like, I was going to throw them in now. I, I think that social media and the creation of, of like social media therapists, like real therapists, people that are real therapists and people that aren't have kind of come up and they've championed like programs that are meant for, to prevent injury. And it seems that like everything has some sort of rehab way that you can prevent it. And the unfortunate reality and what we'll get into here is is that you just can't. And sometimes injuries happen. There's a lot you can do to reduce the likelihood of getting injured. But also at the same time, there are some, sometimes you just get hurt or sometimes your body's just predisposed to injuries more so than someone else. And there's no rhyme or reason for it. Yeah, like I think so. We'll we'll get into more nitty gritty gritty stuff. But uh, I posted it on my Twitter page just a little while ago. And then also if people might have seen it on my Instagram. I posted a little bit of data that comes from goalie injury reports. So anytime a goalie missed a game. Uh, they are required basically to provide an injury report. This is captured over at uh, nhlinjuryviz.blogspot. So shout out to the host over there. They do an amazing job with their own data collection and their data presentation. So shout out to the people who do the original data collection. That's really hard. But before we kind of dive all the way in, Jamie, like it's funny you mentioned that, yeah, sometimes things just happen, right? Like get ready for this. In 2017, 2018, there was five times the number of concussions for goalies that year than averaging the rest of the time in the last like decade. Like one season just had like, like literally a 500% increase in concussions. And then it goes back down to normal. And, you know, in that season, could we look at like, oh, are we in a goalie concussion epidemic? And the answer is probably more like, no, it's, this is what happens. Like fluky stuff happens. Goalies get crashed into weird the game's really fast. People fall, people trip. Weird stuff happens, right? It's just an so, year. Yeah, and that's, again, like any time, and that's maybe the lesson for the rest of the podcast before we get there. The lesson is like don't get caught up in uh, random small increases and uh, in, don't get caught up too much in the moment. you got to kind of take a step back and look at bigger trends. It's no, really easy. To- <laughs> I, would, I, I would much rather say that everyone's hip injuries are be- is because of rvh yeah, and knee yeah. injuries and ankle injuries great injuries and bruised egos are all from rvh the rvh is single-handedly responsible for the demise of goaltending but according to my some of the dms i get you would think that <laughs> yeah and so like okay, so at the forefront all right let's dive into the data at the forefront i want to give people full credit where credit's due if you look at the last three years so i'm talking since the nhl came back from the like bubble into the 2020-2021 season. For the past three years, if you look at those three seasons, outright for the amount of times a goalie was listed as injured, people are correct. 
there has been more gay, uh, more like injury report listings for goalies the past three years than in the past. Uh, the past three years have had an average of like mid nineties, high nineties. Um, previously, you would have seen something more in the mid seventies. So we've seen like a you know eighteen twenty percent increase relative. Um, so I can understand people's kind of jump that injuries are, are happening. But I want to actually look a little bit deeper in, at what is going on there. And one of the things that's kind of interesting is anytime you look at goalie injury data, if you take a really like superficial glance at it, you'll see random jumps and random spikes. When you zoom into those years, you always find a random trend. So for example, I mentioned the concussion thing. There's a jump in goalie injuries in 2017, 2018. But there's a bunch of random concussions. That's nothing's changed with the goaltending position. That's not really a preventable thing. You can't stretch your way out of getting run over into a concussion. Sorry, Jamie. Can't sell that program yet. One day I will. I will sell the anti-concussion program. Actually, I don't. I don't sell any rehab programs. I just sell mobility programs. Well, there you go. Um, but the same thing can be said about this past season. So we had almost a hundred goal injuries this past season. Twenty three injury reports were due to a goalie being sick. <laughs> so you go from a hundred injured reports this season. Well, twenty almost a quarter of them are just goalies who were under the weather or reported as under the weather. So like right off the bat, it's almost like we've kind of come back to that usual like mid seventies, low seventies trend. We're pretty close that way. And then again, you look at something like 2021, 2022. There is a random spike in upper body injuries out of nowhere. There's like a hundred percent increase in upper body injuries from the years before. And that is like largely responsible for some of the jumps in injuries. And so just even talking about that, before we get into the hip stuff, I wanted to raise that first to be aware that people gotta or people should look out for these random trends, these random random variants we see at hockey. If you're a hockey fan, you're a hockey coach, player, anything, you should know that the sport can feel really random at times. And it's true for injuries and it's true for goaltending injuries specifically. So, Jamie, yeah. before we talk about hips, or anything else out there? Um, I would just say, like, when it comes to it's easy when you're analyzing data and you're trying to make here nor there of it, um, and you're trying to look at some sort of correlation, there, I guess, like, try to be objective. Like, it's easy if you look at hips and knees. Everyone's going to say, like, butterfly RVH is a problem. Well, it, there could be a lot of things. It, it could be that goalies are more prone or more, like, getting more comfortable saying that they're injured. Or, you know, starting guys, maybe they don't want to play as many games anymore. Or their goalies are, their goalies are more comfortable with their third-string guy getting some game Or, like, whatever it is. And, you know, if you look at different things in terms of, like, you know, yes, if you look at some of the data, yes, the, the number of injuries are going up, but also the training and the preparation that athletes are doing each year, the science behind performance is getting better and better. So everyone's doing more and more to to protect their body to, quote unquote, prevent those injuries. So there, there's a lot of things it could be, and it's almost impossible to draw any correlation, and it's definitely impossible to draw any causation into why this is happening. And we'd have to group the data into specific injuries and then you'd have to group the data and the variables into time and specific, it would just be so much work because if you're including having a cold in with having, a, you know, grade three groin strain, then you're comparing apples to oranges ultimately, but it all comes down as injuries at the end of the day. And so it's, it's, it's tough, but I'm curious to see what's, 
what the data says about hips and groins. Well, Jamie, I'm glad you said that because I did spend that time grouping it into. I know you did. I feel it. I knew you were going to. <laughs> so first off the bat, um, the past few years have seen more number of games missed by goalies. 100% true. People are right to say that. You got to also immediately keep in mind that we have had the greatest number of goalies just like shutting it down for a season in the past couple of years that we have in the last decade. Examples of that include Ben Bishop, who obviously went on LTIR, Harry Price, who went on LTIR. People might not remember this because it happened uh, early last year. Jonathan Bernier has now missed 100 and almost 40 games. Um, I, did, dude, I didn't even notice he was in the league, which sounds like he's been in the league for a long time. Good goalie, really good career. Like he yeah. should be like, again, really like good, really good goalie, done really well for himself. But yeah, he missed 50. Oh, I have the numbers right here. I uh, missed 58 in 21, 22, and he missed all 82 this year. Um, yeah. And so, and then on top of that, let's add in Robin Leonard, who went out with back, hip, knee, like everything um, last year. So the the jump in number of games missed by goalies is really largely explained by a couple people. So I think first and foremost, that's a really important detail to include. So okay. all, all the games are missed by those goalies is included in the total number of missed games. Oh, well, so that skews your data then. Yeah, exactly. That skews the mean. Your mean <laughs> data is very skewed. What's the median then? Well, it, it all kind of looks the same. I looked at just total games missed as an idea, and the the times that you have increased total misses are, are largely, you can attribute them to, um, when you take the people who, those people out, there's a lot less goalies um, that miss a significant amount of games. And I have the numbers. So I looked at what seasons had goalies miss over 30 games. And 21-22, not this past year, but the year before that, had the had eight goalies miss over 30 games. Before that, most seasons had one, two, three. Um, so it was a bit of a jump. And again, like I said, we just talked about you know, Ben Bishop was on LTR, didn't play at all, right? Mm -hmm. Bernie goes off. Um, I'm always mess his name up and I feel really bad doing it. But uh, Daniil Tarasov, um, who's with the Blue Jackets or was with the Blue Jackets, missed 52. Uh, and so like there was just an, inc just an increase in a couple people missing a lot of games. That's what has driven game numbers missing up. But I think that's really important to say. But I also looked at, I want to see hip, groin, lower body. That's the kind of injuries we hear a lot about. We're hearing about, you know, goalies are going down too much. They're doing RVHs too much. Surely that's impacting hip injuries. Uh, again, you take out Bernier and Leonard, who are these outliers in the data, having, you know, required a very specific surgery. And you can't really attribute anything. You can't say Robin Leonard used too many RVHs, which is why he needed three different surgeries. I think that's a bit of a more complicated issue. But you take those guys or adjust for those guys out of the data, and there's no there's no increase in hip number of games lost. No increase in lower body number of games lost. It's it's just kind of pretty static. Um, there's not a significant change. There's some variance year to year. It's totally normal. Some years will have a little bit less. Some years will have a bunch more. But on average, it kind of holds itself. And so ultimately, I think we can really put the pause on the panic is what I wanted to say. And I think that's a really important, I think it's a really encouraging message is like if the people who are doing this as their full-time job, the ones who are doing the most work at the highest level, um, and if we think of exposure to injury and exposure to activities in healthcare and in your schooling and then my school, you talked and talk about this idea of like a U-shaped 
distribution where like if you don't do a lot of anything it's not great and if you do too much of anything it's probably not great a good example of that is like uh running um if you're like an elite marathoner uh you there you're more likely to experience some injuries because you're doing a ton of mileage uh, it's also like if you don't you know do any aerobic exercise that's not great either but there's like this sweet spot where if you're like a casual or casual minor competitive runner that's really healthy for you mm-hmm. um i think the same thing could be said for goaltending right where it's like you have we're at the far end of this curve the elite of the elite yes they're gonna have a probably a little more exposure to injury than the average person but even then they're the, the goaltending position has changed a lot since 2010, which is when I looked at this data from 2010 through 2023. And overall, we, we're okay. Like, it's, it's all right. I think one thing you can add in there, too, is if you look at those goalies that have all entered the LTIR, a lot of them are kind of older and journeymen. And there has, because of that, because of them playing so long and being starters in the league, it does cause a backlog of younger goalies being able to come in. And now you're having older guys that are starting to age out. So I wouldn't be surprised that in another seven to 10 years, when the current iteration of starting goalies start to phase out, that there's going to be another blimp of goalies entering long-term IR. And it might, it might just be a cyclical or a pattern because you can only play any sport for so long before your body... Uh, breaks down to some degree and like if you look at Carey Price been league forever Bishop league forever Bernier league forever they were still playing to, to up until like the last couple of years and then they all took LT, LTIR now that opens up spots for new younger goalies that in five to ten years are going to play and be in that exact same situation and who knows maybe they enter LTIR and now there's another blimp in the data and then we're having the same talk 10 years from now yeah and the one thing I do want to say right is like I Again, you take you account for some of those those guys taking time off and the injury trend doesn't look so bad. But I also looked at just like the number of injuries we've seen for like hip, groin, lower body, knee. And the overall number is is pretty like pretty average. Yes, again, you have some years with a few more. So like this season past season had the most um it's ever had by two games or two two goalies or two injuries by the last decade, right? It's like and it's something like six more than average. Um, or seven more than average, which is not a ton. And it's pretty normal. Like next year, we might see it's seven below averaging. That's how averaging works. But the one thing that I think is important to understand too is I think NHL teams, who we've talked about now with our free agency podcast, teams are now loading up on NHL caliber goalies. So if you have a starter and you're in a playoff bound team and your goalie tweaks their groin in December, do you want them sitting two games out and rushing back? Or do you want to give them a couple of weeks to make sure they're feeling good? And so I think, and again, this is a lot, little bit what the data shows as well, is teams in the past few years have taken more time off per injury for their goalie. So are the goalies being injured? Are they injured more or injured more severely? Or is the realization that we don't need 75 games out of our starter anymore? We can let them kind of take some time to get back. Right, so I do want to point out that, yep, hand up. If you look at um, like the you know the amount of games missed, it is a it is a little higher, but it is explainable by those types of decisions, right? Like a good example is looking at Carolina this past year. Both Ranta and Anderson were hurt at different points, but they had Kachekov, who they already kind of do see as their goalie of the future. So if you're you know you have Anderson and Ranta in their mid thirties, they tweak their groin, they injure their knee, they injure their ankle. Are you in a rush to get them back? Yeah, exactly. 
it doesn't like we I heard this on another podcast, um, but the NHL does this amazing job of marketing the sport as it's all about the cut. Right? So if your goalie gets hurt in November, goalie gets hurt in January, and you're a team that's already sitting pretty comfortably in the playoffs, you can let your goalie sit out a little bit longer. There's just no rush. Well, right? And I think it's smart. We talk about, I mean, we haven't talked about load management or the idea of load management a lot, JB, but Again, like if you tweaked, if you're, you know, if you put yourself in that shoes, if you're an NHL goalie and you, you know, tweak your groin in, in the middle of January, your team's already comfortably in a playoff spot. Like when do you care about feeling ready to go? Whenever I want to be. Exactly. Right. Like whenever you feel comfortable, we'll put you back in. Yeah. But that's what I kind of want to get your thoughts and your thoughts on it. I think that is what we're seeing. People are seeing goalies sitting out more and they're assuming stuff is worse. And I don't think we can say that yet. Yeah, I don't think so either. I think I, th- I think you're right, and it's more of because a lot of more teams are carrying that one A one B. You know, your your prospect guys, your American League guys are, as we've talked to on other pods, are more than capable of carrying the load. Um, it's not like it used to be, where you had these bona fide number one starters, and teams the teams lived or die on the backs of these goalies, and so you can you you can and like you said, if, if it's for it's the long term and teams for the most part, are playing that long-term. And most, almost, I don't think there's any team out there that's going to pick up a backup knowing, okay, like when they play, they're probably going to lose. There's enough good goalies out there that they can pick up someone who's going to give them a chance to win just as well as their starter is every night. So if you, if you look at look at Vegas, Vegas is a good example. They just went through every single goalie they had and all of them played well. They all got hurt. But they all, they all just kept playing like well, like well enough, and they and they won the cup. So I think you're right. So it's if you have like a you know Laurent Bossoir or whatever, like you don't have to rush him back injury, or you have Leonard. Like you don't need hey take the year off, man. Get healthy. Yeah, yeah. that that's it. Yeah, it's like again, it's it's it, I don't want to. I always and again, maybe this is going a bit of a different direction, but I spend a lot of time, if people listening know this, and Jamie knows this, spending a lot of time trying to better understand what goaltending, prospecting, and development looks like, right? And I always, tell, for those who watch like American football, I always flip-flop back and forth, is our goaltenders running backs or our goaltenders quarterbacks? And running backs, you view them as kind of replaceable in the NFL. It's just next guy up, and, you know, paying your running back is often not the best move in the NFL, with a few exceptions. Uh, we've seen that a little bit recently with goaltending. That's not to say it won't shift back, but you compare that to quarterback position, which is the highest paid position, right? So I always wonder, you know, where is goaltending? But ultimately, it, it kind of comes back to what you said, right? Like you, if you don't have a clear one, clear starter, then you know someone goes down. It's also still not a rush to get them back. They're not the clear starter, right? Or if you do have a clear starter, well, now guess what? You actually have a bunch of people in that system who are fully capable of playing. You can be a little more patient on that. And one thing, and I know we talked about this a little while ago, Jamie, when we kind of first were talking about injuries and goalies, I think people don't realize just how many goalie injuries are collision-based. Awesome. Like there's so many collision-based injuries. I was going it's also to- like pra- and practice too. Oh my Rassid God. collision injuries. And the thing is, is you don't know. You just hear goalie was hurt in practice and you're like, oh, he obviously tore his groin doing a butterfly. Yeah. And it's like, actually, he was doing a two-on-one drill and the defenseman slipped and took his leg out as he was sliding across. Yeah. Right? And it's, it, again, for the goalies listening, 
Um, I guarantee there's been a time where you've had someone slide into you as you're sliding one way and you feel like your your one hip has left your body. You feel like it's just an attachment from you entirely, right? And that's a pretty scary sensation. Um, but I was looking at some of the injuries uh, that happened this past season and a bunch of them that caused significant time loss for goalies, again, were like weird collision stuff. Like there was a couple of concussions that were really tough. Like I felt really bad for Matt Murray this year. He kind of gets fallen into late in the year after coming back from two other practice related injuries, gets kind of slew footed, hits his head on the ice. Like there's, there's nothing you can't prevent that. And right. And so again, that's a season filled with two practice injuries and a, an accident. Right. I, I do have a question for you. Uh, this is impact into the post technically, but is that considered a contact injury? In terms I of how they, okay. no, well, it's like, it's not a non-contact injury in terms of no, depth. but it's non-contact in the sense of like it's not select crashing into the person. Like you're not like, but a non, but by definition though, that non-contact is when your body's forces exceed that handle without any external like load or obstacles. So like if you think about it, like it, I I don't classify I would classify as a contact injury because if you go into the post and like say an RBH and you you twist your ankle slightly. Like what's the difference of that between a player missing his check and slamming his shoulder in the ball, into the, the boards, AC joint. Yeah. I mean like, okay, if we're going to do a really technical terminology thing here, I think the thing to do is look at contact, non-contact from uh, whether it's an opponent that is into you. So like, I think the thing we think of most often again, is going back to like, again, American football or European football, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I know the, I like the little accent you added there to <laughs> just make sure that everyone knew it was your opinion. <laughs> I'm not sure what accent that was either, but it's, <laughs> uh, if you think of like a plant and twist, like a wide receiver running plants twist and their knee collapses, they tear their ACL. No one hit them. So we call them non-contact injury. I would call that still the same thing. You know, if a goalie is making up, I like a good example is like Logan Thompson's injury this year. Uh, so Logan Thompson had a lower body injury this year. It was, if you go and watch the clip, so if you go watch the clip and you can kind of look it up. Uh, if you want to know, it's February 9th, 2023. You can just Google that. And unfortunately, you'll see the injury. But it's one of those plays as a goalie and a goalie coach, you're watching it happen. And it's such a broken play. And it's like 20 seconds long. And since you know that an injury follows it, you're like, when's it going to happen? And it could have happened about six times before it happens. He's just like sliding, sliding. Person falls into him, gets up, sliding, dives. And then his foot gets stuck. His leg goes the wrong way in. The rest is history, right? But I think those type of things, when you watch those types of plays, it's really, and you see just how many people are bad. Like Anton Forsberg got crashed into and his knee exploded this year, MCL injury, right? When you when you look at, start looking at what the actual injuries were, I think we got to, again, I think we really got to pump the brakes on how bad we think butterflies and RBHs are. I, I think so too. I think a lot of the the rhetoric around it is just because there's so many kids at a younger age. Yeah. That's like have, having that. But then there's, again, we, that'd be a whole other podcast when you're looking into the demographics in terms of hip structure and impingement and growing bones and impact. So that, that would be a whole other thing. But in terms of the NHL data, yeah, like it's, you, you can't point the finger at any one thing and the trend isn't, there's more and more injuries, but the types of injuries that we all think are happening are not increasing at some substantial rate. 
yeah, it's like a tiny slight increase that could very well go down. Um, and again, it's, I think the big jump there's all happened. There's also go ahead. two, there's also two new teams, which means four new goalies. Yeah. And that's a huge part of it too, right? Like it's another really good point that I didn't, you know what? I didn't, adjust, I actually, my dad didn't adjust for team by year. Right. And so that's a great, a great caveat to point out that, yeah, you know, since 20 Vegas came in 2017, right? I think so. Since 2017, yeah, we've had, I think we have year six years. Yeah. Um, yeah, we have, you know, between Vegas and Seattle, they have, there's more goalies, right? And it's not just two, right? It's realistically three guys are probably going to play for most teams. So, yeah, you have just more exposure to games. You have a physical more amount of games now. Than the um, and so ultimately, yeah, that is going to bump the numbers up, right? I actually tried, I did adjust in my data uh, for the, the shortened seasons because there were three shortened seasons in the past since 2010. So, you know, partial partial points for me on that partial. one. it but I didn't account. I didn't. I know I didn't adjust for for changes in number of goalies in the league, which is a really great point. And so there's a lot to to kind of consider here. But ultimately, I think if we can take a trend at the professional level and and adopt it down into our youth sports demographic, or the, you know our kids, our teenagers, our junior guys, all that people, you don't need to. I don't think you need to have a big panic button about how you're training and how you're playing. Right. Ultimately, if the way you're playing is causing you discomfort and pain, then yeah, you should reconsider what's going on there. That's that's not the conversation. Whether it's, is there a blanket statement we can say that, you know, doing this type of movement or training this way is going to cause problems? No, I think we should be really conscious about not saying that. Right? And now, before anyone gets mad at me, Jamie, I don't think you should use an RVH all the time. So I'm not defending it positionally. Well, I am defending it from like a, um, uh, it's just another save selection. Yeah, and it's like it's like what I I when I reposted that old video I made about the white side study about the stopping yeah. being highest impact. I, I needed something to post, so I posted it, and I knew it's going to get a lot a lot of clicks. And it's a good it's a good it's a well done video. No, but the comments were like, "Stop t pushing." I'm like, no, no, you <laughs> just have to accept that this is part of the sport, and. Yeah. There's a lot of things like you can't reduce the impact, but again, then we can get into load management. We can get into general strengthening the hip musculature, and then we can do all these things. But some people are going to be more predispositioned to having developing FAR, developing some sort of hip impingement than others, and that is just the way it goes. And yeah, it's a roll of the dice, right? So I think again, if we think about who needs hip surgery, and there's actually the debate around FAI hip surgery is still pretty interesting. There hasn't been a ton of studies on it. Hopefully, uh, and because of that, there is some confusion around how beneficial it is. Right now, it looks like surgery is, on average, a little bit beneficial compared to not having surgery. But again, that is such a complicated process. And if anyone's experiencing pain discomfort, you should definitely go see a healthcare professional. Go do that. Uh, don't don't listen to two people on a podcast. You know they are educated. Go get your proper. Well, our advice is always. Go see a healthcare professional. Yeah, that's pretty much always the anyone that ever messages me. It's like, hey, go see a go see a, go see a PT. Yeah, go see a PT. Yeah, just go see a PT. And then they're like, well, no. I'm like, well, I don't know what to tell you. Like, I can't just do the program because I don't want to just. You want to stretch? Here you go. But you go yeah, stretch. otherwise, yeah. So I mean, I guess to to kind of close one uh, a bow on this one. I truthfully went into this when I looked at this little project. I thought I was going to see a pretty big increase. I was actually surprised to see that the numbers were up that much. But again, you kind of start peeling back the layers behind this. And yeah, numbers are up 
a little bit the past few years, but I think the conversation and the way we've approached things has really shifted. I think the data is a little saturated by some of those like long-standing injuries. And then ultimately, I do think teams are being more cautious with return to play with goalies uh, and not rushing them back. Another good example is a guy like Thatcher Demko this season. Like the Canuck, He had a great season in 2020. The Canucks really bad. He was a goalie. There is no reason to try to rush him back. The Canucks are bad this year, right? Like don't yeah. rush back a goalie and get them more hurt when they can take time, right? And so I, th- I think like the takeaway message for me, if I'm a younger goalie or goalie parent is don't rush to return back. I actually... Uh, I've been giving a talk to young athletes at the camp about injury prevention, quote unquote, injury reduction, and like what they can do. And one of the things is just follow return to play protocols. You don't rush it. And then it's, and actually, if you look at the number of injuries in general for all athletes, for all players, including goalies between NHL, college, and junior, um, the numbers are higher in like amateur hockey. And I, I do wonder if that is because players are still fighting for a position um, over, you know, over in the NHL, like Frederick Anderson's always gonna have a job, so there's no need to rush him. Versus if you're playing major junior and you're looking at your draft year and you're missing half the year, tough to get drafted. So there's a, there's another thing to consider. I, I don't have any hard evidence. It's just the thought that popped in my head. Yeah, and this is no, you're entirely right. I I guess kind of extending this here, but there's even a big debate, and I brought up ACL injuries before. There's a big debate on how long people should wait to return following ACL surgery, right? There's some advocates who have pushed for waiting up to almost two years for a return to sport, which to a 15-year-old probably sounds... That uh, could kill a career. Right, exactly, right? Meanwhile, you look at other situations and there's documented stories of this of professional athletes who tear the ACL, don't get surgery, and come back in three months and play. There was, was I, listened, I was listening to a Science for Sport podcast with the physio for one of Australia's rugby teams and they had their, their player played two days later on a tear from ACL. And it was just like, and it's like, well, shit, no, but then he, he he did a good job talking about the caveats about how well trained this athlete was and how they sustained it and managed it. And he ended up getting surgery after anyways and, and all these things. And so it's like, there's always going to be outliers. There's always going to be variables. And so, you know what you should do other than subscribe to Ben's, my, my Patreon and Ben's Twitter. Um, (laughs) Go see a healthcare professional if you, have any, professional. If you have any questions or anything yeah. like that. And if, if you're wondering, if you're going to message us, what's your injury? Go see a healthcare, healthcare professional. <laughs> that is unfortunately always going to be answered. But yeah, Jamie, let's wrap it there. Uh, I wanted to say again, it's been a really interesting study. You can kind of, or a little product that I worked on, you can kind of read more about it uh, over on my Twitter. Again, it'll be in the show notes of the, of the show as always. For people listening, whether it's on YouTube or your favorite, Spotify or your favorite podcast app, uh, we appreciate everyone who gives us a like, a subscribe, and we appreciate those who are sharing it as always. It means a lot to us. Yeah, I mean, because we hit top 100 for hockey podcasts. Yeah, we're a top 100 hockey podcast, uh, and we want to say thank you to everyone. Yeah, that is really, when Ben told me that, I, w- I was very, had a big smile on my face, because I think that's really cool, because we are just two healthcare, sports, and fitness goalie nerds. <laughs> and we like informing and the fact that enough people listen to us that were in the top 100 thank you continue to share we appreciate it um yeah until next week yeah me until next time hold up what was that 
boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.